Welcome to the Sisters Community Church Podcast. What does the Bible say about wisdom? How do we get it? And how do we impart it? Well, today, Pastor Jonathan Martin continues our series, Praying with Paul. Let's listen. How many of you have ever heard of the Lahu people? Raise your hand. I know you have because you didn't know who they were when I wrote you. Um, Lisa May knows who they are. Anybody? Raise your hand. The Lahu people. Nobody. Um, It's pretty amazing because none of us know who they are. I didn't know who they were until I just got to go and be with them. A small people group, and uh, it's amazing because God knows who they are. And God's at work amongst them. And so I got to be up on, my wife and I got to travel to Thailand together, and I got to be up in the mountains with the Lahu. This was just part of our trip for a week. And when we got there, we were training this group of pastors and and wives in servant leadership. And there was one gal who was, her face was glowing from the first moment we were there. It's just bright. You've, you've seen people like that that just radiate happiness and excitement. And I found out there was a backstory to her being there. Um, the, the Lahu people, there's the Lahu Na and the Lahu Ni, and that's irrelevant. But the Lahu Ni are mostly animists. And there are just a few Christians, and everybody that came to this week-long training were from the Lahuni, this animist culture. And they were new believers, and this one guy had given his heart to Christ, and he'd actually given his property for training amongst the Lahu. But his wife was still animist, and she just recently gave her heart to Jesus. And a few years back, and couldn't understand why her husband had gone from this life of being the richest guy in town to actually being fairly poor because he was doing a lot of illegal activity, and now he's doing things legally. And he had built this training center. He had given his life and his whole family to the Lord, but his wife was still stuck in her animistic beliefs, even though she had received Jesus. And before the, he had always been trying to get her to come to these trainings. She never would come. But before the training, she had a dream. And in her dream, there were two white people. And... Uh, they, they brought with them a, a radiant white stone. And she woke up from this dream, and she goes, what is this training you're going to? And she goes, he tells her, are there going to be two white men there? And he goes, I don't know. Let's call Joshua, the, the leader. And he says, yeah, there are going to be two white men there. And she goes, is one of them, going, is one of them bald? <laughs> and he says, well, come to the training and find out. So she shows up, and there I am in all of my glory, the bald man that was in her dream. And she actually even asked this, is he the one that's going to be doing the training? For some reason, God had revealed to her that she was to come, and she was so excited to be there. And I've always wondered, you know, the day I started going bald, why me, Lord? Now I know. Isn't that good? (laughs) So... um, But anyway, it was such an amazing time to be amongst the people whom God has not forgotten. And thank you, all of you who are praying for us. There's a lot of stories we could share about what God did during during that time. But we know you were praying for us, and we appreciate it. And we just got back the night before last. And so if I fall asleep during the sermon, you're not the only one, just so you know. Um, Hey, let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the prayers of the Apostle Paul. We thank you for what he models to us. And Father, we thank you that Paul looked to you, Lord Jesus, and what you modeled. 
And Father, we pray that you would get a hold of, first of all, that you would really get a hold of my heart this morning and all of our hearts, that we would be completely yours and we would understand what it means to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, Dustin, cue. Let's see if Dustin can, can do this. Ooh. Now, I'll have you know, that was right in the light. I couldn't see it. That was the grace of God. I pulled that one down. So, um, but while we were in Thailand, guess what I had to miss? The Super Bowl. So I missed it. And, um, but it, was, it really wasn't worth missing. It was a good game, okay? Some of the Super Bowls are. But I wanted to give an analogy of something that we see in football that we're going to see carry right through to Scripture. You didn't know the two are related, but they actually are. I want you to imagine with me, I'm Patrick Mahomes. I know I don't look like him. Hair is a little bit different. But, but imagine he gets a hike, and he's, he's fading back in the Super Bowl. And every time he's throwing these passes, and they're outrageous passes that he connects, there's somebody up in row 67 that's screaming, Patrick, Patrick. Throw it to me. Throw it to me. And so he hears this guy. He just blocks out the sound because he's busy doing what? Doing what Patrick Mahomes does. And after the game, the guy comes down onto the field, and he's like irate with Patrick Mahomes and says, Hey, Patrick, I was open every single play. (laughs) And you never threw it to me. Okay, what's Patrick going to say to him? Well, that's because what? You're up in row 67. He says, that's not who I throw the ball to. If you get down on the field, you might catch a pass. So anyway, the player shows up the next year. He shows up and he's on the field. This guy is no longer in the stands. He's on the field and Patrick takes the hike, and the guy runs the wrong way. And from back behind, he's shouting, Patrick, throw it to me, throw it to me. But no, Patrick does his job, and he continues to connect passes and march downfield. And the guy comes back after the game. Hey, I did what you told me to. I was on the field, and you never threw me the ball. And what's Patrick going to say to him? He says, you're going the wrong way. He says, yeah, but I was open every time. Well, there was a reason he was open. He said, no, you go that way, that's enemy territory, that's what we're trying to take. You go that way, and you might receive a pass. And do you know what the guy says? He goes, wow, if I go that way, though, I might get hurt. And Patrick says, no, you will get hurt. (laughs) Numerous times, because, I mean, you'll really get hurt if you go that way. But that's where I throw the ball. So... They head up again, and then Patrick's calling the play, and the guy says, hey, Patrick, hey, Patrick. And he goes, what? Hey, I really, really need a new truck. So it's like, what? He says, I really, really want a new truck. You know, in fact, those new Fords that are out, I really want one. And so what's Patrick going to say to him? What has that got to do with anything? Okay, that's not what we're here for. So he says, Forget the new truck. And to his credit, finally the guy is out of the stands. He's on the field. He's not going the wrong way. He's going the right way. He's not asking for trucks. He's down the field. And guess what Patrick does? He throws him the ball. Touchdown. Okay, now why do I share that story? 
Because that's a lot of us when it comes to prayer. We're up in row 67 and we say, Jesus, throw me the ball. Throw me the ball. I mean, I need this right now. And he's like, but you're not in the game. And you guys, it's, it's not a game. It's an actual war we're in. We are in a war against evil. The powers of darkness are real. We were put on this planet to push the powers of darkness back, to overcome evil with good, to overcome hatred with love. And if we do that, and if we decide we're in, then we're going to get hurt. Jesus talks about that. A lot of times it's like, accept Jesus and then your life, Jesus doesn't talk about this, but we talk about it. Accept Jesus and then your life is going to go great. How many of you came to Christ and your life got, in many ways, much more difficult? Yeah. Things get increasingly hard. It's difficult because we are downfield. We are in enemy territory and he wants to rip our head off. The enemy wants to destroy us. He wants to take us out. In fact, but what we do is we, we sit in the grandstands and we want God to bless us. It's no, do you want your prayers to be answered? Well, first of all, then you've got to be going you're on the field, going the right way. And that's what we see with Jesus. You guys don't understand how extraordinary the Lord's Prayer is. How many of you grew up with that song on the radio, Our Father Who Art in Heaven? Do you remember that? It was like the Lord's Prayer was playing on top 40. And that's how I learned the Lord's Prayer, and all of us generally know it in the King James because it was sung in the King James back in the 70s. So the Lord's Prayer, how does it start? Yeah, it doesn't start, I need, or I, our Father which is pretty extraordinary right then and there because it's not a removed God, a distant God. It's a God who is intimately concerned with us. Our Father, who's in heaven, you're not bound by the rules of this world. You're not constrained like I am by space and time. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Which means, God, make your name holy on this earth. Is God's name holy on this earth? I mean, it's, how many times do we hear his name used in vain? How many times do you hear the word name Jesus just profane time and time in any movie we watch? It's not holy, and yet God tells us, Jesus tells us to pray that God's name would be made holy, that it would be not just known in the whole earth, but it would be revered and made holy. So it starts with God, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come. Wow. So praying is about whose kingdom? Generally, our prayers are about our kingdoms, aren't they? God, I need this. Please help me here. While I'm going in for an interview, God, help me. It's help me, help me, help me. Generally speaking, that's the way people work. But it's about, here, here's what Jesus is saying, that God 
is going somewhere. And we see this in the Bible. Their history is moving in a direction. God is moving there. And how does God go there? He does that with his church. He's taking his church with him. And he's asking you, do you want to go? He's saying, will you go with me? Or do you want to stay up in row 27? 67, whatever row you like. So do you want to go with me? Because I'm going, and I want you to go, because when you go with me, that's when you're going to get to know me. That's when you're going to see that I'm good. That's when you're going to see the enemy push back, and that's when you're going to see lives get changed. But you can't do that from up there. You can only do it from down here. So it's about God's kingdom. Your kingdom come. First and foremost, your will be done. Do you see this prayer? It's all about who so far? Yeah, what God is doing. And when we pray it, what are we actually praying? God, I'm coming with. I'm going downfield. That's what we mean when we pray the Lord's Prayer. It's like, I'm going to be a part of this. You see, before we really see God work in our lives, there comes a place in our life where we have to, to really, the word consecrate, to give ourselves not just 10% of ourselves, not just 50, but to give our lives over to him and say, God, I'm yours completely, 100%. Does that mean I'll never sin again? No, it means you'll sin again. But guess what you'll do when you do sin? God, man, I am sorry. I want to be about your kingdom. I want to be about your business. I want to push back evil. I want to see people delivered from evil. So it's a total consecration of our lives to come down. And that's what we see in the scriptures. You you hear the verse in Revelation, and and I don't like this verse at all, but it says, Jesus says in Revelation, he says, I would that you were hot or that you were cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Ouch. It's like, well, I would like sort of to be about God's kingdom, but man, I sure have a lot of things that I want to in my own personal kingdom. When I was up there amongst the Lahu, they're animists. Do you guys know what animist means? An animist religion is one that has a shaman or a witch doctor, generally. He has the power in the village, and everybody goes to him, and there's God is in the trees, and they worship idols, and he's in the rocks, and he's in nature. And the animists, I was going for a run one morning, and there's a shrine up on the hill. And there's, they go up and offer sacrifices all the time to the gods. Are they worshiping the gods? Do they love those gods? And the, the answer is no, they really don't. I asked them, just so you know. I said, do you love those gods? Or do people go up and sacrifice to get the gods on their team? 
You see, because they have a kingdom in mind, it's their own personal kingdom. They want to have good crops that year. They want to make some money that year. They want prosperity that year. They want to be, have peace in the family that year. So what they do is they go offer sacrifices so those gods will not be against them. They'll be for them. And in fact, all over Thailand, Thailand is Buddhist, but it's actually more animist in some ways because you have these shrines everywhere where they're giving the gods food. I mean, you've got Cokes with the straw in there on the shrine, and you got, you know, you have rice, and you have all kinds of things that they give to the gods. And they sacrifice. Every day they go into work, and the first thing they do is sacrifice. So the gods that are out there will bless them. So in that worldview, who's God? Then they are. And they want the gods to bless them and their kingdom. And you guys, that's how so many believers in the United States are. That's how I was for years. God, bless me, bless me. And sometimes we go to church with the idea, if I go to church and do the right things, and if I say the right prayers, and if I take communion, then I'll get God on my team. The only problem is that's not how it works. Mahomes doesn't go up and sit with you in row 67. If you want to be on his team, you have to go down, and you have to play. And you have to play his game. And so that's what God's calling us to. And we see this with Paul. And it's amazing what we see with Paul. He prays prayers that are always kingdom-minded. Think about what we pray for as a Christian culture most often. What do I pray for? Generally, something comes up in the day. My kids are not doing well, so I'm praying for them. And it's sort of a it's not a systematic prayer. It's like wherever I feel their needs, I pray for this, I pray for that, I pray for that. But the kingdom focus is clear in every one of Paul's prayers. He's clearly on task. He's moving downfield. He's pushing the enemy back. And what he prays for is all about God's kingdom being manifest on this earth. And we see this in the book of Ephesians and Colossians. Does anyone know where Paul was when he wrote Ephesians and Colossians? Yeah, jail. In other words, he went downfield, and boom, literally, literally Paul had his head taken off. It cost him everything, just like it cost Jesus everything. And this was, if we were to see the Apostle Paul and the love he had for us, it would show up on his back because his back was nothing but scar tissue. The number of times he was beaten and whipped. So some people go, I like Jesus, I just don't like Paul. And it's like, if ever there was a representative of Jesus who modeled Jesus, it was the Apostle Paul. It really was. And the more I read about him, everything he prays, everything he does, everything he says, it's like, boy, he knew Jesus. My word, he knew Jesus. And what we see here in the book of Ephesians, in the book of Colossians, we see a theme in his prayers, in his praying for these churches. So he's in prison, and while he's in prison, it's interesting, you'd think that would be the low point of his ministry. But actually, in many ways, it's the high point, because today we're sitting here reading his letters because he was in prison. That's where he wrote them. When he, he, he was at a low point in his life, that's when he gave us the most enduring feature, the letters that show his heart for God's people in the churches. So look with me in Ephesians 
We'll start with Ephesians 1.17. And, and then I'm going to immediately read Colossians 1.9 right after that. Because you're going to see this is a theme that we see in Paul's prayers. He prays this. Ephesians 1.17. Well, I'll start in 15. He says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And here it is. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. The spirit of wisdom revelation, the knowledge of Him. And then over in Colossians 1.9. If you've ever noticed, Colossians and Ephesians have a lot of similarities because he wrote one after the other from the same jail cell. In 1.9, he prays this, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So we have the word wisdom, knowledge of Him, revelation. I remember um, a teacher of mine in eighth grade, for some reason I remember this to this day, she asked this question, and she asked us to write a definition for the word wisdom. So what is wisdom? So if I asked you right now to write down your definition of the word, what is it? What are some ideas? I'm actually asking you right now. What, what are some ideas? What is wisdom? Okay, application of knowledge. So you know something, and it's applying the things you know to what? And that's the trick here. Okay, some people are extremely wise when it comes to making money. Some of you guys have that aptitude. You have that gift of wisdom. You know how to do it. You can get it done, and you can make a lot of money. And here, it's this taking what we know and being able to live it out. So Paul is saying, in two, two places, he says this, that God may give you the spirit of wisdom. Wow. So when it comes to, and in, in Colossians, it says that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom. So God's wisdom, in fact, this is a very good practice. When you want to define words, don't go to Merriam-Webster, okay? Go to the Scripture. And say, what does it mean? And if we go to Merriam-Webster, yeah, the application of knowledge is wisdom. But you go to the Bible, and it's like, how to live a kingdom-focused life. Spiritual wisdom. In a kingdom-focused life, what, what is the greatest commandment? Love God. 
how can you love God, know God, and how do you love people well? Think of the wisest person you've ever known, the person that you would go to now if they were still alive. Maybe they are. If you have a crisis in your life. And it's funny, but almost always that person is the person who, who you know loves you. You see, because spiritual wisdom is not detached from a relationship of love. And you go to that person that loves you because you know, hey, they're going to be praying for me, they're going to be caring for me, they're going to have words that will hopefully guide me, they're going to um, push me closer to God. See, that's the spiritual wisdom. That's a spirit of wisdom. So Paul is praying here. Again, look at this. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, again, our Father, Paul's just imitating Jesus, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. There's a, a proverb, Proverb 9.10. And it says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. If you asked me about my wife, hey, what do you think about Janie? And I said, well, let me tell you, she was born in Texas, she's 61 years old, She's, um, she went to school in such and such a place. Would you be satisfied with that answer? Would you? No, no, what are you looking for when you ask that question? Yeah, you insight. You want me, you want to know who, who she is. What is she like? What is it? And, and the fact is, not until you marry somebody do you know what they're like. Isn't that true? How many of you knew what your spouse was like before you married them? You see, when the Bible talks of the knowledge of God, it's the same type of thing. There's an intimate knowledge you have of your spouse once you're married. There's a very superficial thing that God uses to get us married, okay? And once we're stuck, he goes, now you're going to learn what love is all about. And honestly, if you ask me about my wife, do you know what? I will go on and on and on. And, and it won't be so much about the facts. It will be about what she means to me and what she's come to mean to me and the things that happened in our relationship since we were married that have caused our hearts to grow closer and closer until they're like inseparable. You see, that's what we're looking for in this answer. So when we talk about the knowledge of God, is it important to know things about God? And the answer is vital. It's vital. If you don't know anything about him, it's like, well, tell me about your wife. Well, what? Like, where was she born? Oh, I don't know. How old is she? Oh, I haven't a clue. You know, is she nice or mean? Um, I don't know. I haven't found that out yet. Okay, do you see? There's things that you have to know about somebody that are a foundation for getting to know them, but it's... It's the knowledge of him is in this true, true consecration to know God. And that's what Paul is praying. He says that, 
you may be filled with a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. And revelation is something that happens to us through the spirit that even though I have the Bible, God reveals himself to me through the Bible and through my living out the life he's called me to live, through praying to him, through trusting him in new circumstances. This revelation, we come to know him in the knowledge of him. That we would know the knowledge, have the knowledge of his will. Well, what is his will? His will is to see his kingdom advanced. We know that. That's priority. And he takes us and says, now go. Take my kingdom. Move it. Let's go. So when Paul prays, I have a question. As, as we read these verses in Colossians and Ephesians, is this how we pray for those we love? Or do we pray, Lord, give them a good job? That's great, but Paul doesn't stop. I pray that you'd all have good jobs. And he doesn't say, I pray that you'd all have prosperity and peace in this coming new year. You know, it's interesting. Um, the Chinese New Year is all about prosperity and peace. Every, it's, it's all over the place. It's, again, prosperity, peace, all through the religions of the world. It's getting the gods on your side so you can have this prosperity and peace lifestyle. And there's actually a whole brand of Christianity called the health and wealth gospel that does the exact same thing. I call that idolatry. That's exactly what they do over here. It's actually saying, God, knowing God, there's, there's no substitute for knowing him. That's where all meaning and purpose and joy and love flows from, not a life of prosperity and peace. And when we understand that, what God has done and how much he loves us and how much he wants to relate to us and be and reveal himself to us, that happens in the process of us coming to him, in, in essence, being married to him and going about his business. And then we realize, wow, that's what I was created for. That was my rightful business all along. So Paul, again, read his prayers. I encourage you, go back through all of his letters. And when you see him pray, use these letters as a model to pray for your own children. We, one of our kids is going through a very difficult time now. And I'm reminded, God... It's not about you fixing that problem. It's about that my daughter's heart would be completely yours in every way. And that my son-in-law, that he would know you. It's this. This is what is so vital. It's not even that their marriage gets fixed. Ultimately, it's this. It's the thing that Paul prays. When, when we're praying for someone's healing, is it healing I want, physical healing? Well, yes. But more importantly, that God would give them a spirit of wisdom and a revelation and knowledge of him. And that's how we pray for people who's sick. It's not just for their healing so they can go and forget God again. It's that he might show himself through that so they would actually willingly give themselves to him and live a life for him. 
I, um, I remember when I was graduating from high school, um, watching all my friends disperse. In fact, I was sitting in the bleachers as they all left, and I knew I wouldn't see a lot of them again, and I realized I hadn't lived for Christ fully. And I remember praying and giving my life to Jesus completely. Say, God, my life's yours. Completely. It's consecrated to you. Someone, I know my grandmother had been praying Paul's prayers for me. And I um, went off to college that year, and then I went to, uh, to Biola University. And just by the act of giving my life to God, saying I'm yours, and looking for what he has for me next, that doesn't mean full-time ministry, it doesn't mean any of those things, it just means I'm com- whatever I do, I'm completely yours. You're first, you're kingdom, everything's first. And I remember... <laughs> One time, such a random story. I'm walking across campus for dinner. Nothing stops me. It's a straight line, beeline for, for uh, the cafeteria. But this day, for whatever reason, it's like, hey, turn right here and go up to the student union building. And I always, after dinner, come down to the student union building and watch my fr- friends play, waste their money on Pac-Man and things like that, um, and watch them play ping pong and play a little bit of ping pong, and then I go out. But this day, it was like, Go through this. It's why it's longer, but I did. I just, just a notion out of left field. But I go, let's go through the student union building, and I walk up there, and I notice there's this, this uh, table and these little signs advertising a camp in Colorado called Camp Idrahaji, and I wanted to serve the Lord that summer. And here, it's in the Colorado Rockies. I'd been raised my whole life up in the Wyoming Rockies, and it's taking kids on backpacking trips. And I go, this is for me. I started talking to the guy. And I said, this is, this is amazing. This is exactly what I want to do. This is how I want to give my life this summer. And I said, hey, after dinner, I'll come back. And pay. He says, well, I won't be here after dinner. I'm packing up in five minutes. And I remember, wow. So let me have this stuff. I'll contact you. You know, I went to that camp that summer. And I remember thinking, wow. At the time, I remember thinking, wow, if I hadn't turned right, I wouldn't have seen you because you wouldn't have been here coming back. 35 years later, God brought that memory to me. Do you remember when you turned right? I go, yeah. That camp? Well, after camp the first year, my brother was coming off of his job from the east, and he picked me up, and we went backpacking together. It was the first time my brother and I had ever connected. We ended up going to the same school together. We ended up ministering overseas together. That wouldn't have happened. The second year I was at that camp... A young lady showed up. Her name was Janie Jack. And um, in that relationship, I said, you need to go to school at this school I've heard about up, up in Oregon. So um, once I married that girl, we moved to Oregon because she was going to finish up school there. While, I was, while we found a church there, I met a guy named Ryan Moffat at that church. You guys, that random right-hand turn, I was watching a play... <laughs> on TV where the quarterback threw it and the receiver didn't even see it and somehow the ball wedged in right there and he goes, whoa, and he ran in for a touchdown. (laughs) I had no clue that was God that had me turn right. I wouldn't have the wife I have. I wouldn't be at this church this morning. I wouldn't have been in Thailand. There were four couples we met with there, none of whom would have been in Thailand had I not taken it. It's just like my whole life, the kids I have, Everything 
I consecrated my life to the Lord and he threw me a pass I didn't even know was a pass until 35 years later. My whole life was changed by that right-hand turn. We're going to go to communion. If you haven't given everything to him, if, if this isn't how you pray, we're going to the table. And what is the table saying? The table saying, God is everything. Without him, without food, without drink, we're nothing. If you've never given your heart completely to him, I know as leadership at, at Sisters Community Church, that's our prayer. Not that 400 people would attend here, but that 400 people's hearts would be completely his, and they would understand the knowledge of his will, and that they would have a spirit of wisdom. That's our prayer for every. Can you imagine what, what this place, what, what this community be, will be like? When God just starts throwing passes to each one of us and we're doing everything we're called to be. Let me pray for us as we go to the table. Um, just take the elements, return to your seat, and we will take together. Father, thank you that you're up to something. You're up to something huge. And Lord, I pray that all of us would be completely in. Lord, a lot of us are not completely in. I know there's some days I'm not completely in. But I pray that, Lord, our, that would be our heart, that would be our prayer for everyone here, that would be a prayer for our children, that would be a prayer for the kids in the school, that everyone would know you and know you intimately and would be given a heart of spiritual wisdom, we pray. Thanks for listening. We hope this encourages you to dive deeper into your relationship with God through prayer, scripture, worship, and community. We hope you can join us on Sunday mornings at 9.30. For more information, go to sisterschurch.com. Be blessed, friends.